0: good to see everybody here i encourage you to take your bibles turn to acts chapter four is where we're actually going to start uh the end of chapter four hope everybody had a great thanksgiving uh i love this time of year we uh have uh, so many things going on but they're good things you know we uh i uh, always thankful for those who spend the time to decorate. This place is beautiful. Uh, they do it every year, and I'm just thankful for uh, those who volunteer and serve in that way. Uh, just a, a good reminder that even though things change in our world, and uh, this Christmas probably looks a little bit different as far as from our perspective on earth, but we're celebrating the same thing, uh, the eternal truth. Again, that was just saying about, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son and so uh, it's for us regardless of how we feel regardless of what's going on in our world we have reason to rejoice at this time of year or so um, but recently in our um, study we're going to continue on in this the study of the church um, been challenged to remember while it's not good to live in the past we can remember and learn from the past again that's what we've been doing with this study in the church uh, to understand the spiritual heritage and, and specifically speaking The unchanged spiritual heritage, because we have a Lord that has never changed. The Bible says that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, our purpose as the church on this earth is the same, Uh, because again, the Lord still loves souls. He still wants to save lost souls. He still loves you. Still loves me. Uh, He's still in uh, the the saving business. And so, uh, that means that His plan to send laborers into the harvest is still there he still wants us to go he still wants us to share he still wants us to be the light. he still wants us to be salt in this earth regardless of what's going on but last week i asked us some questions um, at the end of the service and one of the questions was this Will we like that first church rally together in unified prayer and purpose will, will that be what our story is or will we be intimidated by the threats of self-doubt and fear because Again, that's what largely we face when it comes to being laborers in the harvest is, well, I just don't know if I have the right answers or I'm afraid what they're going to say, what they're going to do. Again, instead of having the gospel conversations, we allow those things to intimidate us from being a part of what we're here for still. Um, or maybe one day we'll face real threats like John and Peter did, right? They were told by those religious official, officials, don't preach in that name anymore. Um, and so we have to answer that question. Are we going to rally together and be that? Is that what we're going to be defined by? Will we still be resolved to labor uh, even if that stuff happens to us in our lifetime? If it becomes illegal to share the gospel, if it becomes illegal to do what we're doing right now, to have uh, an open public worship service, you know, is it, what if it becomes illegal for us to invite somebody to church or to invite somebody to know Jesus Will we still have the same resolve, again, as that first church did? Will we labor to the master, for the the master, until he returns? Um, Peter and John, again, were threatened not to preach in Jesus' name. And we saw that the first response they had when they were let go was to go back to the church. Not to pray about um, getting their old lives back. Not to pray about going back to comfort. But they, as a church, prayed that God would give them the boldness to continue on the work that he had called them to. And we're faced with that same challenge. Our world is a little bit less comfortable than it was last year. Our world looks different, it feels different. So many things are different, but we've got to answer the question, what are we doing here? Why, why are we still here? You know, is, is, is your life defined by just getting stuff, paying bills, having fun, doing what you want to do? Is that the definition of your life? Because if it is, then when you die, it's going to be kind of empty. The, the, the mark that your life makes on this, this world, but I want to ask you, don't, don't you want your life to make a mark for eternity? No, I'm not saying that in a selfish or a prideful way, but God has given you life, he's given you breath, he's given you opportunity in this temporal world and he's called us to an eternal purpose, and we're either going to fulfill that eternal purpose or we're not. We're going to be consumed with the stuff that we get and gain, the stuff that we do, our, our jobs, our work, our, we're going to be consumed with that or we're actually going to tap into what the reality is for our lives on this pur- on this earth the purpose of it. And I don't know about you but I want that. I want to be I want my life to actually mean something and fulfill the purpose that God has it here on this earth to fulfill. I don't want to just waste the time in temporal pursuit. I want it to really do something that he wanted it to do. Again, they prayed together that God would give them that boldness. The Bible says that God poured out great grace and great power on that first church they were all filled with the holy spirit they spoke they spoke the word of god with boldness and they were filled with power and grace again this great power and this great grace i think is something that god still has available for us today but we've got to align ourselves with that same purpose we can't be so consumed as americans and as christians in america to getting our lives back to what we want or to doing what we want we've got to be consumed with what he's called us for because so i want to pray this morning and kind of pick up where we left off and see what god has let's do that father thank you so much for this time again we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross in our place and Lord, we know that this right now what we're doing is not just going through motions it's not doing some religious duty lord we're gathered here as your people members of your body and we're here to glorify you lord here to worship you celebrate you and this season specifically set aside to celebrate that you were sent here born to die and lord we um, were humbled by that lord we're grateful for that and i pray that our lives would fulfill those purposes that you've called us to together as well as individually lord we ask that You'll bless now and help our response to your word and this message. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we left off last week. We didn't cover this guy's live for this guy's name, but we left off sharing or speaking this guy's name and kind of what he did. We breezed through it and then we closed the message uh, with a point that was important for last week. But I think it's important to grab hold of this guy that we mentioned and what he did and learn from that as well. The name was Joses in in Acts chapter 4 verse 36 it says that there was a man who was named that also named Barnabas by the apostles. So the apostles gave him a different name. His name, he was known as Joses and that's the Greek derivative of the Old Testament or the Hebrew word Joseph, which means he will add to. Um, So this guy was given a new name, Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement or consolation or comfort. He was a Levite of the country of Cyprus, and he had land. The Bible says he sold it, and he brought the money from selling land, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Again, this guy had a name that glorified God, but was given another name by the the, the church leadership, evidently because of the gifting that he had and the ministry that he was carrying out. Son of consolation, son of comfort, the son of uh, encouragement. It's clear again. This this is somebody that was uh, gifted in the church, and maybe even more gifting than uh, hospitality or the gift of encouragement, or maybe even the gift of, of uh, evangelism or the gift of administration. We know that we'll see eventually this man is the one that God uses along with the Apostle Paul to go on the first missionary journey together, and he's leading. And so again, we we have this. This man that is a good example in the first church. It's clear that he had a, a great heart to give. Uh, he had sold some land and brought the money of that land t- to the apostles' feet. Uh, I believe the life of Barnabas is clear that he was one of those that we talked about already in this. He was an all-inner. I believe we see his his giving, his service, His willingness to go on a missionary journey, his obedience, all those things point to him being an all-inner. But why out of the whole body, remember thousands of people are in this church now, why out of all the body of believers was this Barnabas, named here specifically specifically as having land and sold it and bringing the money to the apostles' feet? Again, it said that there were several people doing this in that first church. But why was he named? I, again, believe, this is just me believing, that he, it's clear in scripture, that he was a life that was 100% sold out to Christ and his calling, his purpose in, in life. Again, he was an all-inner. So I think that's the reason why this is brought out in scripture. God uses people like that in scripture to be an example, sometimes for the negative, sometimes for the, uh, for the positive. We'll see both this morning. Um, but I, I want to encourage us right off the bat with, with Barnabas, this man Point number one in your notes is this. We should submit our all to God so that our lives have eternal impact for God's kingdom. And I say that not so that we can aspire to to, to be something in man's eyes, not so that somebody will say something about you or write something about you. I'm not saying that that's what we should do. We should submit our lives to, to our all to God so that our lives have an eternal impact and people talk about us long after we're gone. That's not why we should do it. As I said a while ago, that our lives actually do count for something in eternity. That that at the end of it all, that your life isn't just about the job that you had, the money you made, and the bills that you paid, and the stuff that you got. That your life is eternally more significant than that. So that others are pointed to the purpose of life, and the purpose being having that relationship with Jesus Christ. Our lives should do that. Don't you want that? Don't you want your life to actually count for something in eternal terms? I mean, not, not, not so that you can say, man, when I, when I, when I leave this life, my family's going to be set up, or they're going to talk about this, or they're going to talk about that. No, so that your life actually, when you step into eternity, meant something forever what a miserable life it is to just simply get and gain and to be entertained and then miss the point of it all and then one day standing before the one who gave everything for you and there's nothing there there's nothing i i live for me i live for stuff i live for my glory i live for for the the temporal responsibilities that i had that's That's what my focus was, my purpose in life was. And and then you stand before the one who gave his all for you so that you would have life for all of eternity. And there's nothing there to show for all that he gave to you. It sounds like what Christ had taught in Matthew chapter 16. He told his disciples, verse 24, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, then you first have to deny himself, take up his cross, whatever shame whatever sacrifice whatever cost and follow me and he explains whoever would save his life will lose it if you if you try to hang on to your life and live it for you and and you'll lose it but whoever loses his life surrenders let go uh, let's go submits his life for my sake will find it And then he explains what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or what shall a man give in return for his soul how how valuable is your eternal soul the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and when he does he's going to repay each person according to what he's done truly i say to you that there's some standing here that will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom romans chapter 6 says this in verse 12 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting your members don't don't continue living your life and Yielding your, your body parts to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present, yield yourselves, submit yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. And your members, your, the, the, the members of your body as instruments of righteousness to God. Because sin shall not be master over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. In verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, he says just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness now that you're a christian now that you're a child of god present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification again it's about submitting our lives to god and and having our lives actually mean something actually make a mark not for our glory but for his at the end of it all christ is real And he's worth it, or he's not. Our our lives will show that. The the, the, the old saying, the proof is in the pudding. And the pudding is surrender. That's what it looks like. When, When we say, I believe Jesus Christ is real, and Jesus Christ is worth it all, then that is seen in our surrender to him. That's what it looks like. Again, that's what we see with Barnabas and and others throughout the church's history. But juxtaposed to that, on the opposite end of the spectrum of Barnabas is a couple that we see this morning was quite the opposite example of submission, of giving, of serving. In chapter 5 of Acts, it says this in verse 1. There's a certain man named Ananias, which interestingly enough, this this is a Hebrew word. Ananias is actually the Greek uh, name, again, of a Hebrew derivative word. And it means whom Jehovah has graciously given to. So this guy, his name actually meant that God had given to him graciously. God blessed this man. Not only it was him, but it was also his wife, Sapphira, which literally means saf- Sapphire. So you have two people whose names literally are, are encompassing riches and blessing and, and, and God's goodness pour, poured out in their life. Look what happens. <clears throat> they sell a possession so we're not told what this possession is we're not told if it's like a a piece of jewelry or a piece of land like barnabas or a castle we don't know but it's a possession and they kept back part of the proceeds so ananias did his wife was also aware of it she was in on the plan and they brought a certain part of that proceeds those proceeds And they laid it at the apostles' feet. And I I like how one commentator put it about this. He said this, The first trace of shade upon the bright form of the young church. Probably and possibly among the new Christians was this holy kind of rivalry that had sprung up. Everyone was eager to place his means at the disposal of the apostles. So again, you have maybe a little bit of, uh, well, I saw how much they gave. Or I, I see what they're doing to... To, to help the ministry i see what they're doing to to make sure that the work continues on so i think that we could do this and and still benefit ourselves maybe the motive of this couple what we've seen so far is this young church has been plugging along plugging along plugging along with every hurdle that they face with god's help they've cleared those hurdles with great resolve but now we come to a very difficult hurdle a very hard matter for the church church still today too and that's the matter of competition in the church so you have this real thing that happens this pushing one another this admonishing one another setting example for one another exhorting one another all are good but when they're done right it's not about fleshly competition so well, i'm not as good as you or i can't do that or i don't have that much money or i can't do this or i don't do that it's not any of those things that's again healthy Admonishment, healthy encouragement. People involved in this first church, this is seemingly were eager for glory themselves. Again, Ananias and Sapphira are going to be the perfect example of this. Eager for glory, eager for self-preservation. I don't know. Either way, I'm gonna see these characteristics, these elements present in the church that are diametrically opposed to God's will. And point number two this morning, I think, is so important to, to grab hold of right off the bat as well. Is this, we should strive to comfort, encourage, comfort, or encourage one another in humility and not compete in pride and envy. As a church, as a family, we should want other people to be blessed by God so that they can bless others, so that they can serve others, so that they can invest into the eternal work of God. We should should want that. We should not grow envious or jealous. Because God is using somebody, or God has blessed somebody, or God has shown somebody favor. We should rejoice in that and say, man, praise God. Rejoice in that. We should encourage each other. Galatians chapter 5, now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's what it looks like for somebody to be in the flesh, he says. These are the characteristics. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And he says this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is explaining that if your life consists of these things, or you live in the habit of these things, or you practice one of these things, or two of these things, or all of these things— that's an indication that you're living in the flesh, serving the flesh, serving sin, not serving the Spirit, not serving God, not living in the Spirit. And so, so I said, if your life, if you practice those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If your life consists of jealousy and envy, that's not something of the Spirit. Something's wrong. But he flips it over and says, with the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that the Spirit of God lives inside of you, the evidence is this love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control james chapter 3 verse 13 says this who is wise and understanding among you let him show out by good conduct or his good lifestyle that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom then he says this but if you have envy bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth that wisdom Does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And listen to this word, right? These words. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything, every evil thing are there. And I I said earlier that you want to know what's going on with America, with our world, what the problem is. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion exists. And every evil thing are there. So many people are out for themselves. So many people are envious of what other people have. And, and, and again, confusion, every evil thing. James chapter 4, he's talking to Christians. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Why, why are you as believers fighting with each other? And he says, here's where they come from. Don't they come from your desires for pleasure? That war inside your members are given over to your flesh that's why you have problems with each other you lust you covet and you do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and you war yet you do not have those things you desire you do not have the things you need because you're not asking and the times that you do ask you don't receive because you're asking for the wrong reason for the wrong things you ask amiss the reason why is because you're asking so that you can spend it on your own pleasures, and he says this: spiritual, adult, spiritual adulterers and adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's hostility. To to live for the world, to live like the world, to live in the pleasures of the world, to live with well, that is your purpose, you make yourself a hostile enemy of God. He says, "Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God." Do you not think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit dwells in us yearns jealousy god is a jealous god the bible says so when the spirit of god lives inside of us he will not share that with any other thing or any other person he says this he gives more grace god resists the proud gives grace to the humble therefore submit to god resist the devil and he'll flee from you draw near to god and he'll draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded lament and mour- mourn and weep but let your laughter be turned to mourning your joy to Gloom, in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God was in control of this first church. Remember, the Holy Spirit had filled all of them. And with the filling came boldness, great grace, and great power was in this church. But with the filling of the Holy Spirit comes that wisdom from above. And with wisdom comes discretion. And that discretion was utilized. In verse 3, we see Peter say to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the peace of the land? For yourself so again we aren't told in the first in the first few verses what it was here we're told it was a piece of land and we understand this because he goes on to say while it remained was it not your own you had the land nobody forced you to sell it nobody told you to do this but you went and sold it yourself and then you had the money he says after it was sold was that money not in your own control? It was in your bank account. It was in your pocket. You could have done whatever you wanted to with it. You didn't have to get it, give it to the church. Nobody was forcing you to do this. So why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Don't you realize you've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. You've brought it and, and, and you've, you, you've, you've done this to the church And it's God's church. It's the body, the literal spiritual building of God, the body of Christ. You you lied to God. You were trying to make yourself look really spiritual and so so generous. You were trying to get every man's praise and, and acclamation. Wow, look at what Ananias and Sapphira did. Again, they were obviously blessed by God. And they had something to give. So had something to sell, had something to give. But instead of being like Barnabas, who sold land and brought all of it and laid it at the apostles' feet, and other people who took everything that they had extra and gave it to the church so that other people's needs could be met, so that the work of the ministry could go on, these, this couple devised a plan that would make them look good and still benefit them monetarily why would you come and pretend that you were giving all I mean, you could have just kept it all yourself in the first place why did you feel the need to make yourself look like this in front of everybody lie to god the matter of vain glory the matter of conceit or selfish ambition is obviously now infiltrated the church people are competing again there's there's people like this that were wanting to look good in man's eyes paul would later address this issue in philippians chapter 2 listen what paul would say to the philippians this is later down the road he says let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit obviously decades later when paul's writing to this philippian church and churches are being established and this church is one of them paul obviously is addressing something that didn't go away. The issue of being selfish and conceited and having, you know, wanting to look good and wanting man to give you praise didn't go away after Ananias and Sapphira. We're about to see what happened. It didn't go away. So Paul's addressing this church and says, don't do anything by selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Our theme last year, others over self. Every person should be considering other people first. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. But also for the interest of others. If you read chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul would continue to say, Put on the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he became a servant, he humbled himself, became a servant, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Again, put on the mind of Christ, self sacrifice, humility. Not exalting, allowing God to, to raise up, allowing God to exalt, hum yourself inside of God, and He will lift you up, because He alone deserves the glory. He deserves it all. Paul would point that out to the Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians chapter one, that it was because of Jesus Christ, and he deserves all the glory. No flesh should glory in His presence," he says. And maybe this couple had the biggest piece of land out of everybody in the church. Maybe they had the most valuable piece of land. They had, a, they had a corner piece of land that brought in, I mean, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Therefore, their profit from that land was the biggest of all. So maybe they sat down and conspired each other once they got the money. And, and they said, you know what? All these people, even Barnabas, he's always doing, he's doing everything. And now he's brought this money. I mean, they're all praising God for what Barnabas did, we can bring more money than anybody and still keep several hundred thousand dollars ourselves. People will know that we gave the most. You can mark this down. If it's but a fraction of what the least amount is given, just a portion, a tenth, what's the least amount? What's just a tenth? If that's given in sincerity, and it's given as the Lord has given to you, full of faith and cheer, God doesn't care how much that is. God doesn't care how much it is, because God doesn't need our money. I don't need money. None of us need money. Like, that's that's not our need. Now, we have temporal needs, yes, temporal responsibilities, but it's not about that. God, he's not looking at that. He's not looking... at at what we're doing more than why we're doing it see god chooses giving as a means of obedient and obedience and trust as well as this tangible this temporal instrument for the work see there were real needs that were in that church that's why these people said oh we have extra land we have extra houses we could sell those. We don't need all of that stuff anyways. We could sell it and we can bring that and give it to the church and let the apostles distribute that to those people who don't have things they need. And we can take of each other and not and only that, the ministry will continue on and the focus can be on souls and not the needs. We, we, can, we can see this thing continue on. So that's what was going on it wasn't like they were like being beat over the head remember to tithe remember to give to missions remember to give to the building remember they weren't doing that's not what was happening now here's the need people need to be helped the ministry has to go on God cares about our heart while we're doing it again Jesus taught the concept of giving your all in the widow's might and we know that the widow's mite wasn't a whole lot of money. Jesus made an example out of her. He look at that! He stopped everything. Look at that woman. She gave, every, she gave more than all of these people combined. They're throwing in riches out of their abundance. And she gave more than all of them combined, and they were mind blown. Why? How is that possible? Because she gave sacrificially, and she gave sincerely. The sad thing, even today, there's a lot of people in christianity american christianity say "Well, I, i just can't afford to give to the church i can't afford to give to others i put this down old time saying it goes like this a man may say i can't afford to give but the truth is we can't afford not to give and some people argue well i the reason i don't give is because of the amount that i would give it would be so little It wouldn't be significant to help others or help the church help the mission it would just be so little that's wrong thinking according to scripture to think that what god has blessed you with and that you return in full faith and obedience and desiring to help other people that god couldn't use any amount of money to carry on his work again he doesn't need money we just live in a temporal world trying to accomplish an eternal purpose and so there are literal tangible things that have to be have to be done i'll say this the only time that the amount this is important the only time that the amount that you give matters is if you're trying to jip god or you're trying to lie to god like ananias and Sapphira, you're trying to rob god by holding back anything that he's given to us first. Again, Ananias' name, God has been gracious. Sapphira's name. I mean, all these things are, are true. And so they conspired. We'll, we'll just take some for ourselves. And, and again, that's a wrong thinking. It's, God, you deserve all of it. You've been so good to us. If it's a matter of selfishness, well, it's my money. I work hard for it. It's mine. Or if it's a matter of preference and priority, well, I wanna spend my money like this, I don't wanna give it to that. Or trust, I just don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills and still do this, treading in dangerous water there. In a temporal world, we know, all of us know, that it takes money for things to be done and taken care of. Our water doesn't run from the city to our house, magically. (laughs) Bills have to be paid electricity doesn't turn on just because we hope that it does the company has to be paid and just like that the electric company doesn't supply electricity even to this house of worship because church members think that god somehow sprinkles money into the church's account for the electric company oh no, it just magically happens no no His people give a portion, just like in this first church. They give out of what God has given to them. So the church work is funded. People are helped. Needs are met. The lost are reached. And we do so as a response of love in light of God's goodness to us. I put this down in the notes, and I think it's such an important thing to remember. Our giving is an acknowledgment that the work of the church is important. See, if we never give a dime to the church, what does that say that we think about the work of the church? Reaching the lost, discipling those who are saved, gathering for worship, encouraging each other, the work of the church, helping others. See, when we give to God as he has given to us, we're saying, The church's work, eternal work, in the temporal world, is important. Again, whether you're giving a widow's mite, or whether you're given a a king's ransom, whether you're given like Barnabas gave, again, the whole matter is the matter of the heart, sacrificially, desiring, sincerely, not in competition, not for man's praise or glory, but because God is so richly given to you, and you want to richly give back to God. But note this, it's everything. It's not just, we're, not just money. What about your time? God deserves our best. What about your, your, your abilities, your talents? God deserves your best. Your treasure? Absolutely, God deserves our best. Has he not given us his best? He gave his only son. He gave to us richly. He gave us life. And think about this, church. He gave us the the blessings of living in America. Rich blessings of living in America. How could we ever be close to being like Ananias and Sapphira? God had blessed them. They had seen how God had blessed other people before them, and yet they were still full of envy and competition and self-seeking and vain glory that they would say, look, we want to still have some of this ourselves instead of saying, God, we have other stuff. You've blessed us so much. We're going to sell this, and we're going to bring all this to you, and you use it to fill needs in other people's lives that don't have even close to what we have. We're going to give this, and so that the apostles can continue to work and teach and preach, and so that we can continue to go and reach the lost. we just want to give to you, God, because you've been so richly gracious to us. Point number three is this: we should be eager to give all to God and to sow into His work because of His graciousness to us. It's not like a excuse me, it's not like a slot machine. It's not like, well, okay, so I'm going to give God hundred bucks. So he better next month give me 300 bucks back. I mean, because I, 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 want to, I want to be able to pay my bills, but I also want some other stuff that I want. So, you know, give as it's been given unto me. I, God's been good to me. And so I'm going to give back to God and I want him to give me more. Malachi chapter three, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? His reply in your tithes and offerings you're cursed with a cursed because you're robbing me the whole nation of you what you need to do is bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and they thereby put me to the test try me he says if i will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need god says look it's a principle like if you if you Simply be if you're sincere and obedient, and you, you you have this sacrificial heart about you and giving. I will take care of everything you need. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter six as well. He said, "I'll rebuke the devourer for you, so that it not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine and your fields shall not fail to bear." Says the Lord of Hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. You'll be a land of delight, says the Lord of Hosts. And again, Luke chapter six, Jesus is teaching. He says very clearly. You need to give, and it will be given unto you. And here's how it's going to be given back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together and running over, it will be put in your lap. So you cannot outgive God. Put God to the test. He said, because what measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So if you give to God in a stingy manner, then get ready to receive it like that. So many people miss the blessing of giving their time, their talent, and their treasure. They miss the blessings in that because they give like this. Okay, uh, instead of saying, here's all, God. Use me however you want to use me. Pour through me what you want to pour through me. And God continues to pour those blessings out in their life. So many people say, I just can't afford to give. I got to, well, okay, I can give a dollar but man, if I give this dollar, then I can't, to, I can't go to Starbucks. I won't have the $8 it takes to buy that drink. I'll only have 7 I don't want to give that dollar. Keep the dollar. And you'll miss the blessings. Again, remember Peter just told Ananias, basically, you apparently did it because others are. Not because God moved you because you desired to do it, not because of obedience, not because of anything else, but because of glory, vain, empty glory that you sought. Selfishness. You were about you, Ananias and Sapphira, and it cost you. Maybe Barnabas was the straw that broke their back. (laughs) That's it, you know. They're going on and on about this Barnabas. We're sick of it. That goody two-shoes, He's always, you know, trying to help everybody and do everything. He sold that little piece of land. He brought $10,000. We'll show them what a real gift is. We'll sell our corner lot, one of our corner lots. and We'll bring $100,000. We'll keep, we'll keep $100,000 ourselves. We'll, we'll bring $100,000 and everybody will go on and on about how $100,000 is so much more than $10,000 hey if you want to give a a large gift to the lord if you want to give to the church you want to give to that praise god and that's it praise be to god if you're faithful to give your time your talent and your treasure to serve god to take the time and and to invest it in the kingdom and and to sow that faithful tithe every week or whatever praise be to god and him alone to make sure that again it's out of sincerity and obedience god is to be praised he's the one that gave you all good things in the first place we just simply give back a portion of that We see these lessons from this early church and it helps us as the church in the end the question i'll ask this morning is how will we finish what they started how will we finish what they started questions that we have to ask and these points are 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 you submitting your all to god so that your life has an eternal impact for god's kingdom is your life are you focused on eternal things saying god here i am i really want my life to matter for your kingdom are you striving to comfort and encourage others in humility versus competing with others with envy and pride if you see your life as a vessel, man. I could be used to encourage other people. Is are you are you striving for that? Are you so worried about what other people have what other people are doing, and you're not having and you're not doing? Man, what, what's what's driving you? And then the third thing was this: Are you eager to give all to God? Is that in your heart? He you said, "Man, I just I really don't. I barely can pay my bills. I just I just I, I would love to give." I, just, I can barely pay the bills. It's a matter of that widow's might. Don't, don't miss the blessing and giving because you think that your little amount doesn't, doesn't mean anything. God cares about the heart. If at the end of it all, if you were being a good steward of what God had given to you and you could barely pay your bills and you had 50 cents, your heart drives you to give that 50 cents. Don't hold it back. Don't hold it back so it's not significant enough to even give. Don't, don't treat God like that. That widow, she had two pennies. She just, she just gave it. It was insignificant in man's eyes, but it was because of her heart. God blessed her. Don't hold it back. So I just, I only have this much time in the week I'm so busy with this and that and I just you know if I had 30 minutes then then I would come early and I would help serve in this way or I would I would serve in this ministry but 30 minutes don't rob God of that time serve him use the the time that you have and serve God use the abilities that he have I just can't do a whole lot I'm not talented like that Sunday school or that 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 children's ministry teacher can't sing like that person or i don't have those abilities like that person what god has given you use it for him don't hold it back don't just be a consumer be a contributor let's make sure that we finish strong like they they started strong let's pray father thank you for this time thank you for allowing us again to be in this place and to worship you and the challenge that you give us in your word lord we see two examples this morning of a person who was all in. Somebody who was wanting to give you everything. Their time, their talent, their treasure. And they did. And you, re- you rewarded them and blessed them. And then we see a couple that was on the opposite end. They were wanting glory. They were wanting the praise of man. Their focus was on themselves and their stuff. And Lord, we, we see this example in them that we should try to avoid. I pray that you would. I pray you'd help us today to answer these questions, to apply these, these points in our lives in a way that glorifies you. Help us to be all-inners. I ask you to bless now as we respond to your, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand as the music plays, I'll invite you to come.